Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Man, look in Isaiah 40, 27. Isaiah 40, 27. I'm closing today the uh, prayer uh, series that we could teach on prayer for the rest of our lives. But uh, we did five messages on prayer. The first one we did was humility, that the Bible says in Second Chronicles that my people would humble themselves and pray. <laughs> it, it, it's hard to pray if, you, if you're not humble. If you think you got it all together, right? If I think I have it all together, it, we don't pray. And so uh, it starts with humility. Uh, second is sonship, that it's important to know your position in prayer. If you're Praying from a distance and begging this far off God, oh God, way out in outer space, would you please? But Jesus said, don't pray like that. Pray from relationship. And when you pray, say, what does he say? Our Father. What does he say? Pray from the relationship of a close God. Pray from the inside out. We're not begging some far off God. We're praying to a Father. That's sonship. And then, and then we talked about uh, how to pray every day. That a lot of people would pray... <laughs> But they just don't know what to say. They, they get in prayer and they think I've kind of said everything I know to say in about the first three minutes. I don't know what to say. And so uh, we taught on um, how to pray every day through the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gave kind of a template uh, of prayer. And then last week we talked uh, about gap fillers. Gap fillers is about intercession. And that's uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He said, when you pray, uh, he said, first of all, pray for others. And so it's really important that when we come into prayer that we don't just pray for ourselves. In fact, I think that's sometimes why prayers don't get answered as we walk in and our whole focus in our lives and in our prayers are on us instead of on others. And prayer is really about relationship in a family. And uh, that's why it starts with Father and it kind of ends with, the Lord's Prayer actually ends where he says, start with our Father and then he ends the whole thing with saying, and if you have something against your brothers, forgive them. Why? Because prayer is about relationship. It's relationship with God and it's relationship with family because they do go uh, hand in hand. And so today, I'm going to uh, close with this, with a message just about waiting. Oh, I know that some of you go, waiting, I hate to wait. How many hate to wait? I, I hate to wait. I hate to wait. I, I just, I get into, I mean, you get into, a, you, you get into the store, right, and you see these lines and you think, oh, I don't, I'm going to walk out of the store. I'm going to go, I'd rather drive to a different store and take 10 minutes to get into a different store just so I can, and, and then you think, yeah, but by the time you get to the store, you're going to have to wait. At least I don't have to wait in that line, right? I can at least be moving and, and I can have progress, right? I just don't like to wait. Nobody likes to wait, right? And so uh, when you talk about waiting on the Lord, people are like, oh, okay, that's for people who don't have anything to do. I understand, you know, we're depressed people. They're going to either therapy or waiting on the Lord or something. So, But waiting on the Lord is a very, very big, big, big part of prayer. We are get-it-done people. We don't want to wait on God. But do you know that waiting and leaving space in situations can be awkward? Have you ever heard the term awkward pause? That you're in a conversation and there's an awkward pause and you say, that was kind of awkward, right? Uh, it, it's just something that there's a pause, there's something where you say, what, what happened? And we always feel the pressure socially to fill in the gaps. Why? Because we don't like pauses in our lives. We don't like the awkward moments of pauses. That's including in our relationship with the Lord. We don't like the awkward pauses in our lives. But let me tell you, 
Sometimes the awkward pauses in conversations is a setup for something that's to come. There's an awkward pause intentionally. Also in art, if anyone's artists or creatives in here, that when you look at, sometimes you see the gap and you see, they call it negative space. What is it doing? It's leaving room for the content. There's, there's an, it's, it's, at first you think they could have used all that space. Well, they did use the space. The space was used to pause. The space was used to be blank. Why? Because it, it's intentional. Prayer the Selah moments, the, the pause moments, the wait moments, it's intentional. It's not because God doesn't have anything else to say. It's because it's intentional. In art, you see it. In music, you see it. Do you know in music, the rests are just as important as the notes? I remember in study in music, they would say, the rests are just important as the notes. In fact, that's where groove comes from. You know, like when they say, the drummer will say, you got to play in pocket. They'll go, do, 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 right? But if, if, the pocket is the gap between the space and the rest. It's the do, do, like if you were going to play something, if you were going to play something and you're going like this. It's the gaps. But if I were to go, where's the groove in that? You know what I mean? Sometimes we want to fill up all those gaps, but then you have no pocket. That's what the drummer calls it. You don't have to ever call it that. Just call it pause, okay? But there's pauses in every area of life. In art, there's pauses in music. You know, even lined paper, you go by college-ruled paper, you know 30% of it is margins? 30% of it is wasted space. It's unused. But is it really wasted space? No, because you don't want to write all the way to the margin. Why? Because you couldn't even think. You'd think you're schizophrenic. You'd quit college. You'd quit school. You need the space, right? Books. You don't buy books. Right? And you say, how long is the book? And you say, it's 200 pages. But you look at it, and really the pages are about 40%. They're, they're getting bigger. And the lines are getting even, even more apart. They're about 40% of the page is blank. Why? Because the space is part of the intake. See, in prayer, the space is part of the prayer. It's, it, if we fill up our whole lives, if we live our whole lives with everything filled up, then we're not going to have space to take in. In fact, I think that's what happens as we look at a calendar and we fill it all up, fill it all up, fill it all up, and we have our day from the time that I wake up to the time that I go to bed. It's all filled up and it's all packed out. And then someone comes and it happens, and something happens to you, and you look at them and you're like, oh, I don't have any margin for you. And so you go, you just sent me over the edge. No, your lack of margin sent you over the edge. Because if you valued relationship, if you valued margin, if you valued Selah, if you valued pause, take a breath, think about it, relationship moments, then you'd have room for those moments to come into your life. And you'd stop and you'd say, oh. I do have time for that. Why? You made time for that. So waiting on God, it's not just something that we, okay, we have to do to renew our strength. I get it. I heard the scripture. No, it's a part of our, our life with the Lord. In, in fact, I believe for some of you, it's the missing part of your Christian life. It's why you're, it's what you said. I don't know what it is that's missing. This is it. It's that you're trying to do everything for God, but just to stop and say, 
Can I have some space? Can I have some margin? Can I wait on the Lord? Our time with God needs space. It's called waiting on God. Can you say waiting on God? <laughs> so I'm going to give you five benefits of waiting on God. Five benefits. Look at, uh, I told you to, to, to turn to two other places, but I'm just going to read this from Acts 13. Acts 13 verse 2. You remember this is the first church. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord, in the King James Version it says, while they ministered to the Lord, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, while they were coming and ministering to the Lord, the Holy Spirit said. And point number one of a benefit of waiting on the Lord is that God will speak to you. I know that some people will say, God doesn't speak to me. Do you take time to listen? I don't have time to listen. Then he won't speak. Or he will, but you won't hear. Somebody hear me this morning? More importantly, someone, see, when you're listening to me, by the way, I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to God on the inside of you, how he can custom tailor these words to you. How does it apply to your life? Number one, a benefit of waiting on God is he speaks to you. I know that sometimes when I'm trying to press a situation through and I'm going, God, I don't know what to do. God, and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm calling out to God and, I, and I'm just, it's almost like I'm winding myself up tighter and I'm getting nothing. And you know what I do eventually? I just quit. I quit. Forget it. I'm not going to pray about it anymore. And I'll just stop and sometimes I'll just sit down on the piano or sometimes I'm just in the car and I'm on a drive and I just will say, and I'll just say, God, I love you, I worship you, I thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for loving me, Lord. Thank you for putting up with me, Lord. <laughs> thank you that your plans for me aren't altered. Thank you, Jesus, that you said that you delight in me. Thank you for loving me, God. Thank you for your great plan for humanity, Lord. Lord, I love you and worship you. And I just begin to love God, sing out to God. And you know what happens? The answer comes. I wasn't even asking him about it. Half the time when God gives me the real answers I need, it's not the times I'm asking him about it. It's the time I'm ministering to him. It's the time I pause, I wait, and I'm not coming to try to get something out of God. I'm just coming to wait on the Lord. Can you say wait on the Lord? Yeah, to wait on the Lord. That's just what happens. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. <laughs> Isaiah 40, 29 says, He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases strength. God gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. What is He saying? He's saying, even young people who seem like they have energy all day, eventually they're going to drop, right? We've had overnighters, we have teenagers, and they'll, people will come over, and uh, eventually, maybe three in the morning, maybe four in the morning, but eventually they're all laying out all over. They look drunk, they're not drunk, but they're, you know, they're laying out all over. Eventually, their, their weakness, you know, they have to sleep. What is he saying? God never sleeps. God never runs out. But what does he do? It says he gives power to the weak. He gives power to the weak. What does God do in that scripture? He gives power to the weak. What does he do? He gives what does God do to the weak? He gives power to the weak. God gives power and strength to the weak. But listen, he gives it to us, but he tells us how to receive it. 
it would be like a quarterback, and I'll use this analogy a lot, who will throw the ball, and he'll throw the ball to the person, but if the person doesn't receive the ball, a touchdown is about the pass and the catch. Receiving strength from the Lord is not just about him giving it to you, it's about you receiving it. If you don't have time to receive, then you won't receive all the good things. There's there's so many things that he has for our lives that if we won't just have time to receive them, we won't get them. So uh, he says he gives power to the weak, and then he tells us how to receive it in verse 31. He says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. What is he saying? That's how to receive it. So it, it's not that God doesn't give you strength when you're weak. It's not that God doesn't give you power when you're weak. It's that you didn't have time to wait on the Lord. So if you didn't have time to wait on the Lord, what will happen? He doesn't renew your strength, right? Re- read it with me. Re- read, it, read it out loud with me. But those, say it out loud. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Say it one more time. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Keep reading. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait on the Lord. We don't, you never walk into a a, a store. You never walk into a, a place and get in the long line. You always get in the short line. Why? Because we don't like to wait. And so we come in to to the Lord, and the Lord says, those who wait on me, I'm going to renew your strength. Now, let's read it backwards. He says, those who wait on me, I'll renew your strength. What about those who don't wait on him? Listen, those who don't wait on the Lord, he won't renew your strength. Come on, say it. Those who don't wait on the Lord, he won't renew your strength. But does he want to? He does. Well, who's it up to? It's up to us. It's not up to God. I've been praying, but he's not doing it. No, those who wait, he'll renew your strength. Those who don't wait, he won't renew your strength. You won't mount up on, with, with wings like eagles. You'll run, and you'll get worn out. You'll get stressed out. Why am I so stressed out? Because you're not waiting. But I'm praying. He didn't say pray. He said wait. See, sometimes we want to we wanna tell God how we, want it, how we want it and where we want it and the way he, we want it. But God says, no, this is the way I give it. He says, I'll renew your strength, but you got to wait. Those who wait shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings on, like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll not, run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. But those who don't wait on the Lord, they won't renew their strength. They'll run and get worn out. They'll get stressed out. And they'll walk and they'll faint. They'll get tired. They'll drop. You ever felt that way before? Yeah. And you blame it on God. God, why aren't you? Well, he promises, and God cannot lie. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. Hey, my, my phone, um, at nighttime, this, my phone's probably about three years old, and that's a smartphone, uh, an iPhone, and, and uh, it, it, I have to put it in the charger at night, and it charges all night long, and then, uh, you know, in the morning it says, 100% right now it says 96%, okay, 96% charge. But sometimes, you know, at night I'm flipping through emails or flipping through something, and I'll, I'll, I'll look through and, and, I'll, and I'll, um, I don't forget to put it on the charger. And then the next morning I look at it and it says like 20%. And I go, oh. 
And all day long, have you ever done this? All day long, you're trying to catch up charge. Right, you never do this all day long. Like you're taking this thing and you're plugging it into your, you know, your car and you're trying to, and you're like, oh good, it's up to 36%. I think I can get through out the day and you get through and it just goes, you know, and all of a sudden it's down to 12%. You're like, oh, come on, you know, because it supercharges, like it acts like it's charging. It's like, yeah, 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 right? It gets in there and it charges up, but it's not really charging. See, you can't fake it. You can't fake the charge. If you didn't plug it in, all night long, or for however many hours it said you would, whatever age your phone is, it won't charge all the way. I think some of us are trying to get a supercharge from God and say, how can I get the waiting in, like, quick? <laughs> Anybody ever, I do that. Anybody ever done that before? How, how can I, I don't have time to wait. Like, how can I get that in, like, real quick? Like, supercharged. Like, do you have one of those supercharged weights? Like, like, like. Eight-minute charge, like, can you, can you, uh. and here's what happens. You do, you get in there with the Lord. He supercharges you. You're, you're, oh, I'm, ah, I'm, Lord, I'm charged up, supercharged. My prayer time this morning, oh, it was quick, but it was good. I can do that every day. And then about 11 o'clock, you hear, beep, beep, and you look down, deet, deet. And you, low battery. Deet, deet. Low battery. Deet, deet. Oh, I got a charge. See, it's, it, it fakes you out. It fakes you out. Because you get in there and you think if you want a full charge, you got to stay hooked up. If you want to get fully strengthened, if you want to get fully resourced on internally to where you, where you have that energy again that you used to, spiritually, physically, mentally, you know, it's not just, it's not just spiritually. It's your whole being on the inside. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. That's why he talks about restoring our souls. That's why he talks about laying down and letting him cause us to rest. He's not just talking about spiritually. He's talking about physically, mentally, emotionally. Well, you don't know. I don't have time for that. But God knows. God knows your schedule. And God still wrote this to you. He still wrote this to you. They that wait shall renew. You can't get a full charge, a quick charge. So n number two is he recharges you. That was a long one. Number two, he, listen, he recharges you and renews your strength. Someone's been praying for that, and that was your answer this morning. Someone's been praying that God would recharge you and re-energize you. Number two, he recharges you and renews your strength. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The psalmist David says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Can you say it with me? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Who is the strength of our lives? The Lord. So who do we need to wait on? The Lord. Who do we need to stay hooked up with? The Lord. What's the most important relationship we have on earth? The Lord. Why? Because he's our strength. It says, when the wicked came against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though, listen, the war may rise up against me. They put out an all-out war against you. Listen to this. In this I'll be confident. In what? Listen. 
In this I'll be confident, David says. In this I'll be confident. I, I, I want, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to read David saying this. A whole army rises against me. They're encamping against me. In this I'll be confident that God's going to rise up and kick their butts. That's what I want him to say. What does he say? In this I'll be confident. Listen, one thing I've desired of the Lord and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The word dwell is different than visit. If I were to drop by on a visit and, you know, I knocked on the door, uh, which I'll never do, okay? I, I won't come visit your house, I promise. Fill out those connect cards, okay? I'm kidding. No, but, but um, if, uh, if you, so, you know, you come and knock on the door and someone would say, oh, come on in, come on in, have a seat. Are you here to stay? Right? There's a difference. Are you here to stay or are you here to visit? Visit, we have a standing conversation. The word dwell means to sit down. Take off your shoes. Isn't that what he told Moses? Moses, take off your shoes. See, a holy place is a place where you, you dwell. You, you're, 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 you're here with God. You're here to stay. It's not a place just to visit. He says here, what am I confident about when all this stuff comes against me? He says, that I may dwell, that my desire is to dwell, to live, to remain, to sit down. God, en God encounters require that you Sit back, take off your shoes, be with him for a little while. It just requires that. That I may dwell. He says, to behold. What is to behold? It, to behold is not just to glance over. Oh, yeah, there's God over there. No, it's to gaze, to look into, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to ponder, to listen with your eyes, so to speak, to look. God, you're here. God, you're here to behold Looking deeply into something, beholding the beauty of the Lord. He holds our attention. Our eyes are so distracted by the 300 channels of TV today. And we also need Hulu and Netflix. And YouTube TV. Oh, and then we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have right, all the others. I mean, there's so many things, so many things. Our eyes are so distracted today with things. What is he saying? To behold what? Screens? To behold the beauty of the Lord. You ever just stop? God, you're beautiful. God, you're beautiful. He says, and to inquire in his temple. What is inquire? It's to sit, ponder, wait, wait for an answer. When David was the king, the Bible says he inquired of the Lord seven times. Lord, are we supposed to fight these guys? Lord, are we, are we supposed to go up this time? How are we supposed to do it, Lord? What is he doing? Every step, he went and asked God about it. He inquired of the Lord to inquire in your temple. He, he didn't have Google to search. He didn't have Wikipedia. He didn't have these things, you know. And I'm not sure, you know, I, I don't think those things are bad. But what I do think is that our hope and our help should be to inquire of God. Can someone say amen? amen. Yeah, to inquire of the Lord. 
In other words, when we're faced with a difficulty, when we have a sickness hit us, not to immediately call the doctor. Doctors aren't bad, they're on our side. But the first one, call out the great physician, King Jesus. Say, Jesus, I pray for healing today, right? You call out for healing. When we, when we have a bill, when we have something that comes up and we're, we're right at the edge and you know it's due tomorrow and you're in trouble, that we don't look out and say, how many credit cards can we apply for? That we just stop and say, Lord, what, are, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do. You ever been there? I don't know what to do. So I call out to you. I ask you for help. I ask you for wisdom. I ask you to show me what to do, to inquire of the Lord. And then he says, for in the times of trouble, he shall hide me. He shall hide me. In his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He'll set me high on a rock. Number three is he hides you when your enemies are coming. Number three, what it, why do we wait on the Lord? One of the benefits is he hides you when your enemies are coming. Uh, my kids, when we're in a crowd, my kids used to be, you know, we're really small like this high, and we'd be in a big crowd, and we'd be walking through the, the crowd, and I'd always protect them because I didn't want the crowd to hit them, and I'm watching out for them, and I'd kind of hide them, and I'd say, just get behind me. You're not going to get hurt. You're just behind me. What am I doing? I'm hiding them. I'm covering them. I'm protecting them. When we wait on the Lord, he hides us from our enemies. But then the next part he says, and, and he says, now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. But also that same analogy with the crowd is sometimes my kids would say, hey, Daddy, I can't see what's going on. Can you lift me up? And I'd take them and I'd lift them up and I'd say, look what's going on. Oh, look at that, Daddy. They'd see above the crowd. They'd see above what's going on in the situation. Not only does God hide us and protect us from our enemies, but he lifts us up above all the stuff that's going on. That's number four. So number three is he hides you when your enemies are coming. Number four is he lifts you up so that you can see things higher than your enemies. He says, and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies. Therefore, I will offer the sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I'll sing praises to the Lord. And I'll talk a different time about the, the, the power of the sacrifice of praise. Um, <laughs> He says, I'll sing. And then he goes into verse 7 and he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry to you, my voice have mercy on me. I want you to notice he goes from singing right into praying. Prayer, worship, praise, they just go just like this. When we talk about prayer, we're talking about singing, praying, rejoicing all together. He says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry to you with my voice, have mercy on me and answer me. When, I, when you said, seek my face, my heart said, Lord, your face I will seek. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What is he saying? I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart. This is number five. He reminds you that goodness is coming your way. Why do we wait on the Lord? He reminds you that goodness is coming your way. If you don't wait on the Lord, your heart will be afraid. It'll be hopeless. One way that I can tell that I've been with Jesus <laughs> is on the inside I have peace. <laughs> on the inside I have rest. Usually there's a smile on my face. Someone says, what's going on? Is everything going good? It is right here. 
What does he say? Look at the scripture again. He says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so he closes this by saying, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. I want to tell you this, this story. Listen, listen to this. In fact, would you put this picture up on the screen? This is in San Diego, California, back in 1932. This is the uh, USS Akron. 1932, thousands of people had gathered at Camp Kearney, a military base. It's now part of the Marine Corps Corps Air Station in Miramar, which is down there. We used to pass by it all the time. To witness the arrival of the world's largest helium airship. That's this one. It was 785 feet long floating aircraft carry, uh, a floating aircraft carrier called the USS Akron. This enormous ship, which had been launched just the year before, represented the apex of aviation technology. Not only was it able to travel from New Jersey to California in a single hop, but it carried a uh, a complement of five fighter planes that it launched and retrieved from retractable trapezes that hung from its belly. As the Akron rose higher and higher out of control, it had these 200 recruits and they would, they would have these ropes and they would hold it down and pull it down uh, to keep it grounded. But one day they were holding down this vessel and it began, it took a sweep of wind and it began to go up. And there's always this complexity of wondering when they go up in the air, you'd, you'd see all the people that would lift up in the air. You can see some pictures of it. People would lift up in the air and they'd get a few feet off the ground and then they'd drop. Some of them would drop or they'd hold on because they were a little bit too far up in the air and they just hoped that it would come back down and then they could, you know, uh, settle again. But they had to have the weight of the people to pull this down. So... The Akron rose higher and higher one day out of control and the crowd on the ground realized that it began to drop off all of these people and there was only three men that were left on the ropes. They went 150 feet up in the air and one of the men dropped and fell to the ground. Now there was two men that were left on these ropes and it just began to go higher and higher and higher and higher. Time Magazine wrote, uh, struggling to keep their grip, they lashed out desperately on the ground. Women screamed, men wept, officers shouted, sailors ran around wildly. And then one of the two soon let go. It was the acrobat, the training station's best gymnast, that let go. And then there was only one that was left, just kept going higher and higher, but this one just kept holding on, holding on. Amid the dangling, just one man remained alive, and the crowd watched dumbly as the growing heat as the Akron rose to 2,000 feet in the air. This man is holding on 2,000 feet in the air. How long, how could he hold on so long, they're wondering. He's sure to let go. The tension was terrible. Such height, this last man could be seen just a little bit as a motionless lump in the air. It seemed only a matter of time before he too would plummet. Well, there is a good ending with this. The man held on for two hours. Eventually, they pulled him up into the vessel, and he lived. Now, what do you think the big question was? How did he hold on so long? How did he hold on for two hours going through the air, right? He was a 16-year-old apprentice. His name was Charles Bud Coward. He managed 
First of all, to keep from panicking what was going on. Several times the airship captain tried to bring the ship back to the field and the firemen on the ground lifted nets to catch him, but the air turbulence was too great, so he just kept holding on. He'd go back up in the air. But how did he do it? He managed, here's what he did. He managed to straddle a toggle at the end of the cable. He tied two bowline knots around his waist. And he held on. Let me tell you what this means. Instead of him holding on to the cable, he let the cable hold on to him. Instead of him holding on, how long can I hold on, Lord? He wrapped the cable around himself and he let the cable hold on to him. Why do we wait on the Lord? It allows him to hold on to us. It allows him to breathe into us. It allows him to speak to us. It allows him to minister to us. It allows him to lift our head above the enemy. It allows him to hide us away. It allows him to breathe strength and life and hope into our souls. Do you have pauses in your life? I just want to ask you that right now. Just bow your heads. Do you have pauses in your life? Do you have pauses in your prayer life? Will you just stop? You ask God a question. You listen to him. Would you ask this question to him right now? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? It's in your own life. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? What are you saying to my life? What are you speaking to me? Where do you want me to put the breaks? Where do you want me to put the pauses? Where do you want me to put the the gaps in my life? so that I can have you renew my soul and strength. And Lord, I pray for every individual in this room right now. I know you love us with an everlasting love. And Lord, I know that what you are ministering this morning is that you want to give your people strength and life. You want us to run, to walk, and to operate, Lord, <laughs> with life more abundantly and not barely getting along. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast. Podcast.